0: Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review, and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message.
1: Nevertheless, I live. Yes, not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Let me read 20th verse from the Living Bible, and you follow there in whatever translation you have before you. It says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the real life I now have within this body is a result of of my trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not one of those who treats Christ's death as meaningless. For if we could be saved by keeping Jewish laws then there would be no need for Christ to die. I was awfully tempted in preparing this message to talk about salvation through works or not, but I'm going to resist that temptation because I think the scripture plainly states, as the verses before it does, and I'll do that one of these days, that salvation does not come to us at all through anything that we do, only through the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ. But... Let me resist that temptation and concentrate on that verse 20. To begin, I want to ask you how you look at life. What do you think of it? Are you an optimist or a pessimist? As you began thinking about 1990... Are you thinking of it in terms of all the opportunities that you're going to have? Or are you thinking of it in terms of, gee, all the bad things that might happen to me? Probably, if we were all honest, we've got a mixture of those two in in our thinking. Shakespeare gave a definition, his definition of life, in the play Macbeth, when he had one of those characters in that play make this statement, and I quote it. He said, Life is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Apparently, that's what Shakespeare thought of life. The great Roman statesman Seneca said, "Life is neither a good nor an evil; it is simply the place where good and evil exist." I like that either. Socrates, in 425 B.C. That the end of life is to be like God and the soul following God will be like Him. I like that a lot better. But I like what Paul said even more. When he said, I live, yet not I live, but Christ liveth in me, And the life that is in me, that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's life. Not that I live, that's nothing. But that Christ lives in me, that's life. And as we look at 1990, I hope that some of this can can be a part of our philosophy of life. Not that I live, but that Christ lives in me. This ought to be our definition. So as we look over the next 12 months, we have uh, a period of opportunity to let Christ live through us, and therefore glorify His name. Or uh, we have 12 months of pessimistic attitude of wondering what's going to happen to me. A little concern about what's going to happen to Christ. This ought to be our purpose. What does 1990 hold? back to this point a year ago and I remembered saying in the final sermon of last year that some of you will be here this time next year. How tragic it is that that has come true in our midst. Some of our loved ones and friends are gone. We've lost Mothers, wives, husbands, fathers, children. They're gone. I can repeat that statement and say some of us will not be here this time next year. We will have lost mothers and fathers and children friends, loved ones. Some of us who are in this congregation this morning will spend time in the hospital this next year in serious health problems, perhaps hanging between life and death and not being sure whether we're going to live another moment as even as we speak. This is happening to one of our own family, this church in Wookiee Bunker. Some of you will move away. We had that happen this past year, and I can reflect back and feel the sadness in saying goodbye to some good people in this church who moved away. life will not stand still. It'll go on. Some of you, a year ago, we didn't know. And now you've become such an important and vital part of of a family. So as we look at 1990 we can see it as an opportunity, a year of opportunity to do something for God. I think we ought to look at it as an opportunity to grow. We ought to become more like the master every day. And if the twelve months go by, and you cannot honestly say that I have grown Closer to the Lord Jesus. Somebody has failed. We as a church will have failed. You as an individual will have failed. If we haven't grown in our love for our Lord and in our love for each other. This ought to be a year of growth when the young people of our church learn from the seasoned soldiers of this congregation, when the seasoned soldiers of this congregation look with anticipation to our young people and see that they are the church of tomorrow, and into them we must instill the love of God and the faith that we say that we have. We must be a year of reaching and striving and learning to be more like our master. Or as Paul said to the Philippians in chapter 3, forgetting those things which are behind, and that's difficult for us to do, for we have a tendency to want to look back on what happened in the past year. You do it, I do it. And I will continue to look back on some episodes, but I realize that as I look back upon them that I must turn away from them and look forward because looking back will be devastating and it will detract from the purpose that God has put within me and within you. We must forget those things which have gone before that are behind us and reach forth unto those things which are ahead of us. This is what we must do in this coming year. One of the sad things that that I have seen physically, I observed at the Colin Anderson Center in St. Mary's, On many occasions when I've seen, and I've referred to this before, adult people who still have the minds of babies, what a tragedy. But listen, there's a greater tragedy than that. And that is Christian people who remain as babies in the faith. It's time for us to put away our toys. It's time for us to grow out of just receiving milk for spiritual nourishment. It's time for us to start putting our teeth into something solid and give our body nourishment that will be evident in our growth patterns. When the scripture says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That ought to be our object this next year. Secondly, another opportunity that is before us is the opportunity of service. We're not saved to sit. We're saved to work. That old spiritual that is sometimes sung, Good room, plenty good room, good room in my Father's kingdom, just choose your seat and sit down, is a lie. God is not going to offer us a seat of sitting and being idle. He's going to give to us a job to do. He's going to assign us responsibilities in that kingdom to come. And surely he has assigned us our responsibilities today. We need to come out of our self-centeredness find our place of service. We need to forget about the words me, my, and mine. No longer have them in our spiritual vocabulary. No more concerned about what happens to me as a person, to you as a person, but what happens to us as a body of believers in Jesus Christ. What happens to us as the image of Christ in this community? What happens to us as a church in the name that we proclaim as the servants of Almighty God? That's what's important. Let's forget ourselves and be one together in Jesus Christ. Not be so concerned about our own feelings but the feelings of others about our own welfare, but the welfare of others. Not concerned about what somebody might say to me or to you, but what we might say in God's name to others to lift them up. If people tear us down, let's build them up. Let's take their names before the throne of God in prayer. Let's be Christ in this community. United together, serving our Savior. And of course, that most in our work ought to be that of soul-saving. That certainly ought to be the opportunity that faces us. George W. Truett, one of the greatest preachers that has ever lived, has stated that the bringing of a soul to Jesus is the highest achievement possible in human life. You want to achieve the highest possible thing in life win somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ 1990 ought to be the year that you personally bring somebody to Jesus Christ you never know when that's going to happen there was a deacon by the name of George Chapman in a church in Boston several years ago who made it his ministry to go out on the streets of Boston and find kids who were ragged, unchurched, unloved, and bring them to his church that they might hear the gospel and take care of their physical needs and all those things. On this one particular Sunday morning, as he roamed the streets near his church, he found a little boy sleeping in a rain barrel. And no water in it, but it was a barrel. The only place that the boy had. And Deacon Chapman got that boy out of that barrel and took him to church. The boy's name was Russell H. Conwell. Russell H. Conwell was the founder of the Grace Baptist Temple in Philadelphia, the founder of Temple University, and two hospitals. Out of a rain barrel! came a man of God that transformed the lives of many people because one layman in that church made it his mission to find those who were unwanted and unloved and introduce them to Jesus Christ. There may be a Russell Conwell in this community Under the influence of this church we will never know until we are Christ in the community let's turn our attention away from opportunities and talk about tragedies for a moment because surely they will come I almost shudder to think what tragedies might be facing us in this next year we faced them in 89. Terrible tragedies that have touched every part in life in this church. Some felt them more than others because of the closeness of the situation. Listen. Kirby Page, I'm not knowing about him, his name, but he made a statement that I think is important He said tragedy crushes or tragedy enables. You better find out the difference. Tragedy crushes and tragedy enables. You better find out the difference. What is he saying? Tragedy can destroy us. If we center our attention upon it, dwell upon it, Never let it die, never let it go, or tragedy can enable us to be more like God if we use that tragedy as a building block in our life, to take it as a stepping stone, to bring us closer to Jesus Christ, then it is a blessing even though it might not appear to be one. Somebody in this congregation very likely will lose their wealth this coming year. I don't know if that will happen, but it's common. How one might look upon losing everything that he has worked his entire life for can do one of two things. It can drive him uh, to being distraught, and possibly even to suicide, or it can bring him to the point of realizing that all of the wealth of this world is not worth anything without Jesus Christ. The real wealth, the real value in life is found not in silver and gold and property. The real value in life is found in the person called Jesus Christ. With we have all of the wealth, we are the heir to the entire kingdom of God. Without him we are in absolute poverty, even though we have our coffers full. Another tragedy that will come to some of us is the loss of health know even today that from our own congregation as we heard the request for prayer that there are people who are ill. We would pray for their getting better. But some people look at loss of health and it makes them bigger. And they become worthless as a result. <coughs> or this very episode cause us to realize that the real source of our strength is not within ourselves. Our real strength is in Jesus Christ. And it can be used, even our loss of health can be used to God's glory. Paul had something wrong with him. He called the thorn in the flesh. He prayed that God would remove it. God said no. We pray that God would give us perfect health. And oftentimes God says no. Because he has a higher purpose for us than just seeing that we live through life in a perfect, healthy body. God's answer to Paul was, My grace is sufficient for you. Depend on me, Paul. And it may be that we will have to learn through the loss of health that we better depend upon the Lord. So I laid those several days in the intensive care of the hospital with an apparent heart attack, I had a different viewpoint on what values were. Some of you have done the same. Thirdly, one of the other tragedies that will come to us that I've already alluded to is that we're going to lose people to death. And we can use this as a point of bitterness, or we can properly look at death as an opportunity Would we in our selfishness really want to take back the lives of our loved ones that God has taken? Would I want my daughter Lynn back? No, indeed. You want your mother, your father, your husband, your wife back? Would you ask them to give up all oh, that God has now provided for them to bring them back here to the miseries of this world? Would it not be extremely selfish of us to ask such a thing? We can make it a tragedy or we can make it a joyous occasion. It will be a tragedy for us but surely not for those that were have lost. But listen. The loss I want to talk about in closing is the loss of ourself. When we completely give up any claim to our own person and put ourselves in the power of Jesus Christ, we have given up all in order to gain all We have given up the little word all to gain capital letters and great high letters all. We've given up selfishness to gain the glory and the beauty of God. We ought not think of our life as my life. I can do with it as I want. We ought to think of our life is not my life. It's Jesus Christ. For He lives in me. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. I died with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But he said, it's not I that live. It's Christ that lives. Now listen, when we can come to that point, we'll begin to understand God just believed of us probably have never reached that point yet. The wife, he said that I live in the flesh. Why do I live it? I live now because I've got a faith in the Son of God. He loved me. He gave himself for me. What love that Oh, he lives we live yet yeah, we're not alive <clears throat> we die remember the day you died some of you died as you walked down this aisle you died and the person who came down here was a new creature a new person you were alive because suddenly Jesus Christ was in the heart. Now not everybody in this congregation can say that you're alive this morning, but you can become alive and begin 1990, a new person, by being willing to receive Jesus Christ into your life, let him take over, die. Your own self, become alive, in you do that this morning for a break.
0: sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.